WWF, what the world is watching. I've always believed brains will defeat brawn any day. I give you the genius. There's only one man smart enough to put Hulk Hogan down. The genius has a devastating plan. You're looking at the future World Wrestling Federation, who appeals to the modern thinking fan. When I emerge victorious with gold around my waist, I shall be the most splendiferous of all. Don't tell me Hulk is six foot eight and I'm just six foot two. Between the ears, I'm over 10 feet tall. He wants to wrap his 24-inch pythons around my neck and give his famous, what you gonna do? By the power of the genius and the world's smartest man, I'll rely on my incredible IQ. Ha! Hemingway and Frost, they ain't got nothing on this guy. Back to you, McMahon. Thank you ever so much, Jesse. And making his way to the ring now, the genius, the man who indeed poses a threat to the World Wrestling Federation Championship reign of the Hulkster. Uh, albeit, however, the most unusual threat, I think, ever to the Hulkster. And we're going to find out just how smart this man really is when he is soon to lock up with a 300-pound Hulkster who is standing by with Mean Gene. This with me, of course, the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, Hulk Hogan. Hulkster, tonight your opponent is going to be the genius, the world's smartest man. Now, I'm curious, how are you going to fight the combination of his aerial acrobatics along with his Machiavellian tactics? Well, you know me, Gene, the genius may have a high IQ, brother, but I'm sure he's got a low tolerance for pain. Besides, if he's so darn smart, how come he doesn't know that mathematically he can't win, brother? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, it's a simple equation, Mean Gene. The three demandments of the training, the prayers, and the vitamins, plus the 24-inch pythons, times all those Hulkamaniacs equals victory. Wait a minute now, Hulk. What if the genius's athletic achievements are as good as his poetic prowess? Poetic prowess? Try this one on, Mean Gene. Roses are red. Violets are blue. The Hulkster's a wrestler. Genius, what are you? <laughs> All right, Vince. Regardless of what has been said so far, I don't think we're going to have a lesson in poetry reading. I think it is going to be an all-out battle for the World Wrestling Federation title. Back to you. Welcome, everybody, to the 24-Inch Podcast. My name is Steve Bennett. Paula Bennett. And what are we recording tonight, baby? Episode. Season 3, episode three. We're going to do Saturday night's main event. They recorded this one in October of 89, but didn't air it until November 25th, 1989. They're in Topeka, Kansas. 
And uh, Hulk Hogan is in a match uh, against the genius, Leaping Lanny Poffo, who recently passed away. Tell us about Leaping Lanny, your thoughts about him. Well, we did this last episode. Yeah, just real quick. But I think that he was really good. I didn't want him to get by. It was just... Yeah, sad. What what have you been up to this week? Well, the first day of school, I kind of had... Kind of had... You weren't feeling well, right? Yeah. Yeah, you didn't go to school on Monday? Mm-hmm. But you're doing a little bit better. You went today? Yeah. Yeah. Your teacher's coming back soon. How's dance class? Pretty good. Yeah, what are you doing in dance? Running a recital dance. Now, what's the exciting thing you got coming up for cheerleading? Well, for cheerleading, I am cheering for the bandits. Who are the bandits? Uh. What kind of sport do they play? Lacrosse? Lacrosse. Yeah. Lacrosse. And you got some theme days coming up? Yep. In school, what are those about? The first one is Daddy probably favorite day. What's that? One of the days is one of Daddy's favorite days. Okay. Heavy metal. Heavy metal day. That'll be awesome. And 80s day. 80s day. Dark side of the moon day. <laughs> I'm the only one that knows about dark side of the moon. Where'd they record that? Why do I keep forgetting? I don't know. We just watched a documentary uh, on Disney+. Plus. Abbey Road. Abbey Road, that's right. So very cool. Some very cool stuff going on. On the podcast today, Dave Rollins is going to join us in a minute. Dave and I are going to go over the bio, Leaping Lanny Poffo. We're also going to go over the arena where Saturday Night's main event was recorded. Uh, we are going to look back at the whole entire card, a big match between Andre the Giant and the Ultimate Idiot, the Ultimate Warrior. We call him the ultimate idiot. Yeah, because he acts like a moron, right? Hey, we've been watching that A&E has the wrestling programs on it, right? Mm-hmm. Tell the listeners what we've like, what we watched and what you're looking forward to watching. Um, I'm looking forward to watching the... Hidden Treasures? Yeah, the Hidden Treasures. Yeah, what have we watched so far? Um, we have watching so far is... Uh, what is it? Hulk versus Andre, yeah. the rivals, mm-hmm. and we watched a little bit of the NWO biography, mm-hmm. where Hulk was Hollywood Hulk. Do you like Hulk better as Hulkamania, red and yellow, or do you like him better as Hollywood Hulk, with the black and the white? Hollywood. Really? Oh, that's a horrible pick. I like creepy stuff, okay? Yeah. You've barely even ever watched one match with him wrestling like that. How could you say you like that better? Almost all the Hulk Hogan matches you've watched in your whole life have been with the uh, black and red when he's a good guy. You prefer him as a bad guy? Hmm. Okay, now you're saying a bad guy. I just thought that because of the creepy, okay, I'm doing the red and white. Well, he was a bad guy in those matches. He wasn't a good guy. He was the heel. Spray uh, painting people. Oh. Tell you next episode. I think I need a little bit more. Today. You gotta think about it more. 
We got some emails we're going to read on the show today later from some of our regular emailers. Uh, we have, we're going to set up, it's WrestleMania season. We're going to set up our plans for WrestleMania season this year on the 24-inch podcast and some other stuff uh, as well as Dave's going to tell us where Hulk was at this point. What's up, Paula? And some more, some new, like, some new email from new person. Yeah, we have, uh, I think, someone from Queens is going to step in and email us today. First one I think we've gotten from them. Uh, Your people won't be here for emails. No, they won't. You're going to bed. Dave and I are recording the rest of the show, and we handle the emails tonight. Oh, she's upset. Do you have an email you want to read now? You don't have anything now? I mean, you're recording now. If you have emails, now would be the time to do them. What do you have now? Well, I want to do it one email time. Okay. Well, it's difficult with Dave's new schedule. You know that. That we have to record at different times. It's not as easy as it was when Dave was off and we could do it when he was on his lunch break. Hopefully... As we get into WrestleMania season. Now, I know on our next episode, which we're going to announce later, you're going to be doing the whole show with us, right? Remember I told you what the show is? And I want you to do the whole thing with us? Because there's a very special segment we're going to be... We haven't announced it yet. Do you want to make the announcement of what the next one is? Go ahead. Tell them what we're going to do next. When Cindy Lauper gets the warlord, uh, I forgot his name. Captain Lou Albano? Yeah, and Captain Moo Mammal... The war gets smashed on his head. Who smashes it? Roddy Piper. Yeah, that's the December 1984 show at Madison Square Garden. Hulk fights Shiki Baby. Ha, poo. Shiki Baby. And Paula's going to do that show with us. And since that's next, Paula's got a whole agenda. She's going to have emails. She's going to do that night. She's going to have analysis of the card. It's going to be a big Paula episode next time. All right, so with all that said, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to bring Dave in. We're going to talk about the arena in Kansas, and we're going to go over the bio of the late, great Leaping Lanny Pafo. Paul, you're going to be back next week, right? Yes. All right, you want to say goodbye to the listeners? Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-Inch Podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-Inch Podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back, season three, episode three. We said hello and goodbye to Paula, and now we say hello to my main man out in Kearney, New Jersey. 
The man asked me for a circus, and he's going to give us three rings. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Hollywood Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? What's up, my friend, the tired Hollywood Dave Rollins tonight here on a 24-inch podcast. There'll be no wine, no beer, nothing of that kind. I had a uh, pretty wild weekend. As uh, people that follow my Facebook know, I, I go out a lot with uh, friends. We had two separate birthday parties. We have a big group of guys and girls. And there's always that one person that gets annihilated. Just one. This time, it happened to be yours truly. <laughs> and at, at the end of the night, I Am A Real American came on the jukebox. That's why I'm bringing it up on this podcast. And I decided to stand up on the chair, the stool. I, my, you know, my... This, my, it was be, be equivalent to standing on the bar. And I did a couple of poses, a couple of ear, ear, ear cups, and boom, I went down, took a few people with me uh, on the way to the ground there on the bar. So uh, it wasn't pretty. So no drinking tonight uh, for Hollywood here in Carnegie Jersey. But what we do have going on here tomorrow, I mean, right now here in Carnegie Jersey is a snowstorm. First one of the year. I mean, that's nothing new to you. No, and we got one there. going here, too. Yeah, man. Uh, we're getting three to five, but, you know, it's, you know, they panic around here when it's, it doesn't snow too often. Did this happen there? It snuck up on us here. It was like snow was in the forecast. There'd be a little snow, but I don't think that they were planning for what has come or, you know, already. And, you know, they said most of the snow be overnight into the morning. So we'll see what they get in the morning there. They already called the day off last week because we had a nice storm here. That it cancels. Uh, that it cancels school. That, Dave, the ice was so thick in my backyard. The neighbor kids were ice skating on it, literally playing wow. ice hockey in my backyard. Wow! It was a. That sounds like fun. It was a clean sheet of glass, looking ice. It was beautiful. at least in it. In that situation, you don't got to worry about falling through it, like doing it on a lake or something like no. that. You know what I mean, like and, if it, and if it, it could have been. You're okay. You could have been standing on a seventy foot deep ocean and been okay. That's how thick. And strong this ice was. It was wild. I never seen an ice storm quite like that here. And then now it's snowing again. You know, it's been a weird winter in that if you take the fifteen worst days out, nothing happened. Nothing happened. No, but you, those fifteen, 50s. those fifteen days have been brutal. You know, right. so yeah. But uh, they they already called off school tomorrow. But by the time I go to work, I go to work at uh, what I work the second shift, like one to nine, right, one thirty, and everything. Yeah, and I think it's going to turn to rain by then, too, so I'll probably be in the clear. But I might go out and do my path here after, after we're done recording, and, you know, outside my house and shit. Uh, you know, because I am a night owl in that regards. But I am very tired tonight, so apologies in advance. But uh, I'm not too tired to talk some old school WWF, Saturday Night's Main Event, right up our alley. Yeah, it's a good one. And uh, Paul and I previewed it a little bit. Let's get into it, Dave. Let's start first with the venue. Um, and I was having trouble finding it at first. And the reason is because uh, at the time of the taping, it was called the Sunflower State Convention, or excuse me, the Sunflower State Expo Centre. They spelled it the Canadian way, C-E-N-T-R-E-A, which I, e, T-R-E, which I hate. I hate Centre. Uh, and I'm like, where is this place? And then I realized, oh, they have changed the name to the Stormont Vale Events Center, spelled the right way, C-E-N-T-E-R. So, kind of goes along with tonight's storm. Yeah, it's <laughs> a 10,000-seat multi-purpose arena built in 1987 in Topeka, Kansas, 
So just about two years old as we uh, are there uh, this night in 1989, a newer building. Maybe that's why they were able to draw the event. Uh, operated now by Spectra Venue Management. Uh, 10000 for concerts and wrestling. 7773 for ice hockey. Uh, it's been home to many different minor league hockey and uh, basketball um, type teams. Uh, teams that Dave knows well, like the Topeka Roadrunners. And the, oh, the Topeka Roadrunners. Yeah, they, uh, the Topeka Scarecrows. Lost that close, close, close uh, game to the Coyotes. The Topeka Tarantulas. The Topeka Capitals. Just all these random... Who the hell are they and what the hell is that league they play in teams? Um, 7,450 fixed seats uh, with over 2,500 floor seats. It's climate controlled and features computerized light lighting, closed circuit TV security, a state-of-the-art theater system, and a 13-foot drive-in entrance. Plenty of power and built-in ice capabilities. Many of that probably not around in 87. Uh, the 80-acre right. site in the center of Topeka has a long history of use for activities related to architecture, agriculture, farming, exp- exhibitions, education, and entertainment as the Shawnee County Fairgrounds. All right. The grand opening, like I said, was a sold-out concert in 87 featuring three of Dave's favorites, Kenny Rogers, T. Graham hmm. Brown, and Ronnie Mislap. Only heard of uh, Big Kenny there. I think I've heard That's of Ronnie. Not... I think I feel like Ronnie is in a bigger group. It was maybe solo at this minute. Say the name again. Ronnie Mislap. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I think I'm on. I'm on par with you there. He's from something. Yeah, somebody. I don't know. Whoever the hell he is. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, Kenny's the big draw there. Right. Uh, Landon Arena, named for Kansas eldest statement Governor Alfred M. Landon. Uh, was built in 87. To tie old buildings to new facilities, an indoor passageway was constructed between the conference center and the exhibit hall. It hosted the first Expo Century event with nearly 9,000 people attending a Topeka Sizzlers basketball game. Oh, Topeka Sizzlers. That used to be a nice restaurant here. Self, self-serve self buffet. Yeah, the Sizzler. Oh, that's the Sizzler. The yeah, Sizzler. Sizzler. Uh, London or Landon Arena has been the venue for many concerts, family shows, trade shows, consumer shows, horse shows, dog shows, and a variety of exhibitions. Concerts. We got some nice names here. We got George Strait, Gareth Brooks, Kiss, Bob Dylan, My Chemical Romance, Aerosmith, Hart, Primus, Rush, Cher, Rise Against, Alice Cooper, Carrie Underwood, Little Big Town, Avenged Sevenfold. Buck Cherry, who Hollywood was singing recently. Uh, All right, that's true. Papa Roach, Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, Eric Church, and Kansas are. So you got you got that. It's like a mid-sized arena, so you could get yep. those Buck Cherries and yep. Avenged Sevenfolds, the, the headline, and as if it were you know a, a eighteen thousand seater like usual, uh, like a Youngstown, Ohio, maybe instead of Cleveland. You know, yeah, they play we, here instead of Kansas City or something like that. We got an arena. We got the bigger. Well, we used to have the Meadowlands, obviously, right? The Brandenburg Arena. Yeah, but now we have uh, Prentzel Center in Norks, the big one. But we also have a mid-sized one in Trenton, New Jersey, too. I can't remember the name of it. It's always changing. But they have you know small, smaller things there. 
It's hosted wrestling shows such as WCW, WCW Raw, ECW, WWE Friday Night SmackDown, and TNA Nonstop Action Wrestling House Shows. Uh, ice shows include Disney on Ice and High School Musical The Concert Tour. Other Disney shows include Disney Live, Winnie the Pooh, Playhouse Disney Live, and My Little Pony Live, one of Dave's favorites. My Little Pony Live, wild. Yeah. And the arena also hosts the Arab, like draw. the Arab Shrine Circus each year. So that's the... Uh, that's the, that's the joint here, the Storm Vale event. It seemed Center. it did seem like this to it could just be a mistake on my part, but it seemed like they really didn't push it in where they were this on this Saturday night's main event like they usually do. Maybe like because they, they're Topeka. at maybe because they're in yeah. Topeka, Kansas. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> usually, like, oh yeah, that one was in Hershey. That one's at the Meadowlands. Oh, this is the one from Seattle. Oh, this, blah, blah, blah. You know, this one I was like, I don't know, I can't remember where this one came from. That's rare, and that's why because uh, <laughs> it, it was at the the Stormont Vale Events Center. I wonder, you know, what, let's click real quick on their website and see what's what's headed that should way. Should have said uh, we're not in Kansas anymore as soon as they got out of there. Jesse should have said that. <laughs> yep, click your heels. We're out of this. <laughs> we're out of this joint. I thought I, I just saw the link to the website like three seconds ago, and now you want it and you can't find it, right? Well, this is when they started doing the. Uh, it wasn't Saturday Night's main event by itself with a few more matches. It was the Superstars taping. Right, they were doing so that's tapings. Like, yeah, yeah, so you start getting into a little more weirder type arenas for Saturday Night's main event uh, at this point. Actually, this point was it was kind of starting to really a little bit. Ratings going down. Uh, beginning of the end. The very beginning, right? Yeah. Very beginning of the end. Yeah. 90, yeah. Wasn't the best for, for uh, Saturday Night's Men event ratings. All right, so here's what we got coming, Dave. The Capital City Arena Demolition Derby. The 2023 Harlem Globetrotters World Tour. Foreigner. Okay. Let's see what else. We no, got. It's a band with a lot of, not a lot of original members. I think but none. They're, they're headlining? I think none because I think the guitar yeah. player finally retired. We and we also drunk bought Brian Adams uh, tickets to Madison Square Garden the other night on oh. somebody's phone. On somebody's phone, so we're going in June. Everybody's paying this poor girl Venmo today to complete Brian Adams tickets on her, on her, on her on her phone while we're all bombed the other night. <laughs> the Topeka Tropics are the hot arena football team playing in this venue right now. So some big, I mean, some really big events coming. I mean, if you think about it, Kansas is really rocking between the uh, the arena football. Oh, the Kansas Kids Wrestling event is going to be there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a happening building, Dave. Happening, happening stuff. Rock and roll. Yeah. All right. I've been delaying a little bit because I'm dreading this one a tad, Dave. But we must Uh-oh. we must do the uh, the bio of Leaping Lanny, one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, that's why we're here tonight. Yep, yep, one of my favorites. Lanny Mark Poffo, uh, born December 28th, 1954. Um, he was born in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Really? Yep. Uh, parents of Angelo Poffo is his father and, and his mother. Uh, what the hell is his mother's name? Oh, geez. Don't fail me now. Mom, what was your name? I can't remember mom's name. That's oh, right. Judy. Judy, Judy, Judy that's Mrs. Right. Mrs. Poffo. Yes, Mrs. Poffo, Judy. Uh, six foot, 236. He's built from Downers Grove, Illinois. That's where they, they grew up, the family, mostly. 
Uh, trained by his father, he debuted in 1974, retired, it says here, in 2020. Um, he was born to an um, Italian-American Catholic and Jewish-American household. Obviously, the younger brother of the macho man, Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. He made his debut in 1974, losing to Wayne Cohen in the opening match of an All-South Wrestling Alliance card held in Atlanta, Georgia on April 16th. He remained in the promotion for several months, defeating Cohen in a rematch and also gaining a win over the great Fuji. On a card on July 9th, 1974 in Atlanta, he teamed with his father for the first time, defeating the veteran team, the Royal Kangaroos. Well, yeah, I mentioned that in last show. Yep. Uh, the, I want to go back to the great Fuji, though. That's an interesting uh, name there. And he doesn't have it's a link, so he's... Yeah, you can't like click on that and say who that was the great Fuji. So I don't know. I don't ever remember Mr. Fuji being outside of uh, the WWF. Could just be some guy WWF. who called yeah. himself the great Fuji that the night. The great Fuji. Yeah. yeah. Still in his rookie year, Papo and his father headed to big time wrestling, one of the very promotions affiliated with the NWA at that time. Uh, they fought Luthez and Mighty Igor in Detroit. God, Luthez. <laughs> it's like going geez. back, right? Yeah, yeah. He actually won the NWA World Tag Team Championship with his father. Uh, they held the belts until 75, had successful defenses over the Mongols and Brazil and Curry. Uh, they moved to NWA St. Louis. That's a mixture of Indian food and Brazilian food. Their finishing move was heartburn. Really bad shits after a match yeah. with them. Yeah, really bad. Uh, in 76, Lanny wrestling primarily in single matches in big-time wrestling, became the NWA Western States and NWA St. Louis. On May 29, 1996, he received his first shot at the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, losing a televised match to... In 1975, NWA Heavyweight Championship. Uh, 76. Harley, 76, Harley Race. Terry Funk. Terry Funk. I, I, I think I've messed that up before when it's always Terry Funk and I say Harley Race. <laughs> he moved to Jim Crockett in 76 and for the first time began teaming with his brother, Randy Worked Papo. with Terry Funk in, uh, in the Garden, too, in our, in our day. And, uh, I believe Funk's the debut with the Garden for Good WWF. Match. I remember that match. Yeah, yeah. The Papo brothers immediately began touring on the MACW house show circuit defeating teams such as Johnny Eagle and Manuel Soto or Danny Miller and John Weaver. Uh, with his brother in 77, Lanny proceeded into singles wrestling once Randy left. On to bigger and better things, as Randy would usually do. Uh, he gained victories over George Rossi. Uh, a guy named Leo Rochester, one of Dave's favorites. He had uh -huh. another shot at the NWA Heavyweight championship when he faced off against in February no, Harley 4th. Race. Harley Race. Right. February 4th, 1978. They wrestled to a draw. He was that close to being champion. There's only five yeah. more minutes left on the clock, Dave. He would have <laughs> he would have been champion. Yeah. Wow. I'm, That's amazing. It's amazing to think about that. Yeah. You know, people just think of him as like the uh, lower car. Yeah, you know and he was I mean, getting but, main events against yeah, some of the biggest yeah. champs of all time. Funk and race. I mean, come on, you don't get any bigger than that, right? And in St. I mean, Louis. You know what I mean? Yeah. In St. Louis, too. So it's not yes, sir. front of five, but five. So they had a great crowd. On February 27, 1979, he unsuccessfully challenged PNW heavyweight champion, who? 
PNW heavyweight champion. It stands for Portland. Oh, Portland. Okay. Um, Championship wrestling. Well, I know Piper came from there, but I don't believe he was ever a champion, there, uh, the world champion mm. in Portland wrestling. Uh, so, John Piper? Yeah, Rowdy Piper. Okay. All right. following, being... following a defeat to Gene Kaniski the next month, he left. And he went to the International Championship Wrestling, which, of course, his father founded. ICW was an outlaw rival to the NWA affiliates, South Eastern Championship Wrestling and NWA Mid-America. Eventually, Angelo further expanded and signed talent away from the World Wrestling Association and Jerry Jarrett's Continental Wrestling Association, forming a strong rivalry with the other territories. It was into the maelstrom that Lanny Poffo entered the summer of 1979 as he jumped to his father's promotion. He became a star in ICW and eventually became the promotion's champion where he wrestled with and against Randy Savage. The two brothers dominated the ICW Heavyweight Championship over the next six years. The only other wrestler to hold it was... You're going to have to give me a hint. Uh, PC are his initials. He was married to Bunny Burmeister. Retired in hmm. 1990. I don't know. That did remind me. I looked up the movie Brown Bunny because Chloe, what's her name from? Uh, oh, we've been watching yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've been watching she, that show. Doesn't she blow yep. a guy? Yeah. yeah. Yep, she does. <laughs> That's uh, directed by a Buffalo native. Is it really? Yeah, the same guy that directed um, Buffalo 66 and um, uh, what was his other big movie? Uh, but one time at one of the Pearl Jam shows, he got a shout-out from Vetter, which was cool because he's a big conservative guy. Uh, Vincent Gallo is his name. That's it. Yeah, yeah. he's the one who directed that. He was from, he's That's from great. Montana. It's a real movie. It's not like a pornographic. And, and also blow, considered. Blow job going on. It's a real one. Considered by Ebert to be the worst movie of all time. Oh, well, well, well there's, there's a good five minutes in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, that, that's from our show Poker Face that we've been uh, enjoying. I, I'm not finished with it yet, so so let's. Uh, well, we'll nobody is. Topic. Yeah. Nobody is because yeah. a new episode oh, it, comes it, out every week, so it's not. Oh, okay, okay. All the I, episodes. I, I, I really didn't. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. yeah, it's one a week. They put. I think they put up the first four, and then it was one a week from from then. Like Mayor of Easttown. Yeah. So not like Cobra Kai, where they just throw no. them all at you. Yeah, I think. And we're jumping off. T- jumping off topic here. Who's yeah, like, who, we're who trying was, to figure out who was the <laughs> other wrestler who dominated or who held the ICW Heavyweight Championship between besides, um, the brothers, and his name is Paul Christie. Oh, Paul Christie. That that's the guy that was on TNT with the card tricks. It's hilarious if anybody's ever seen this. The Poffles brought him in WWF in nineteen eighty six to do some jobs. Yep. But he was like kind of like a higher up job guy. And uh he 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 bombed at the audition. He had a few drinks beforehand to loosen up because he wasn't he, he wasn't used to, you know, the show or whatever. And the segment is it's when Mean Gene was hosting, not Vince. It is so, so funny. He's picking up the LJN dolls. He goes, where's my little thing? Calling them little things. I don't know if I ever <laughs> see that. I got to oh, find that. Yeah. Do that tonight. Do yeah. that tonight. That it's, it, it's an amazing. It might be my favorite TNT segment of all time. Man, amazing. I had to have seen it, though, because I think I've seen all the TNTs. But... Yeah, oh, this one, it's, it may, it's in May of 86. 
Uh, I don't know the exact date, but it's May, May of 86. So ICW goes down. Uh, Lanny goes to Mid-South, forms a tag team with Rick Rude. Um, they begin a house show series with the Midnight Express. Uh, that basically got him through the year. Then he did go to Continental Wrestling Association. Uh, his brother had jumped there after the rivalry had kind of fizzed out. Um, there, he immediately entered a feud with the Rock and Roll Express. Um, so some big tag teams from the Yeah, 80s. they had some good matches. I think uh, Randy and Lanny against the Rock and Rolls. I think they are doing some table spots early on, stuff like that. Remember the commercials for Wrestling Gold? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 80s and you'd be like what the hell is that that's Macho Man on there and you'd see him like pile driving someone through a table I think that they might have had some Memphis stuff on, on those tapes too but I remember ordering those wrestling gold well in June of 85 his brother leaves Continental Wrestling Association for the WWF and on July 13th 1985 episode of Championship Wrestling Lanny debuts uh, teams with Pedro Morales and defeated the duo of J.A. Rizzo and... R.T. Reynolds, Corporal Kirshner. Barrio. Barrio. Pedro Morales, Miss former Mr. Everything here in the World Wrestling Federation, Steve. Yes, that's very true. Although Pafo and his brother joined at the same point, the relationship was never acknowledged by the promotion. Uh, he wasn't a headlining star like his brother, but he built a nice niche for himself. His first role was as Leaping Lanny Poffo. He'd throw Frisbees into the ring. One of the great, you know, um, curtain jerker gimmicks, to, for lack of a better phrase, right? Like, if he was in the first match, what a treat. Because he was better than that. But for whatever reason, that's right. kind of the role he had at the company. And he did it really well. I mean, whatever it was they asked him to do. You know, he did really well. And everybody knew who he was. You know, everybody yep. at school. It's not, it's not like, you know, maybe not everybody knew who Barry Horowitz was. You know what I mean? But Leaping Lanny, everybody knew knew that name. And uh, I I was always in shock uh, that he never got a, a wrestling uh, figure, LJN or Hasbro. That was a bit shock to me. I think that would that would have been a, a good one to have. You had an, yeah, you had an SD Jones. You had, you know, a couple guys like that. And, uh, no Leaping Lanny. He made his first Saturday Night's Main Event appearance on October 5th, 1985, when he recited a poem at the wedding of El- Uncle Elmer. Right. Um, let's see what else. Lanny attained some infamy in late 86 and early 87 by competing in a series of bunkhouse battle royals in Full Knight's Armor. Yeah. And uh, one of my biggest memories of Lanny was him competing in the battle royal on Saturday Night's Main Event 10 at the Joe Luce Arena in December of 87, where he was headbutted and eliminated by Andre the Giant, causing him to bleed heavily all over the floor and be carried out on a stretcher. Right. Right before WrestleMania 3, March 14th, 87, uh, Joe Luce Arena. Yeah, that was that, that was a scary sight for, as, as a kid, seeing him, the way he was curled up on the stretcher. Like, he wasn't just, like, laying out. He was, like, curled up. Like, it, it looked real. It looked re- really, really bad. And he, He's told in a lot of shoots that, like, nobody gave a shit in the back. He was bleeding and gushing blood everywhere, and only Rick Martell and, obviously, his brother, Randy, 
we're there trying to, you know, put some butterfly stitches or get, get some get some help for him. Yeah, it was <laughs> a bad cut. Yeah, the other guys, a lot of the other guys were still out in the ring. Of course, my, uh, Macho and Martel weren't weren't in the battle royal. But uh, yeah, but like you know, the agents and shit didn't give a shit. Like, oh my god, like you put you're putting Andre. Yeah, that's putting Andre over for the biggest match of all time. You know, my god, they should they should attend it to him a little better. In January '88, Lanny defeated Sika. And, uh, oh, back to 87, he participated. It's a giant. That's a big win for yeah. Lanny there. Uh, another famous angle he's featured in in February of 87, teaming with the Can-Am Connection against the adorable Adrian Adonis and the Dream Team. During the match, Adonis accidentally cut the hair of Brutus Beefcake, leading to the latter's face turn and assumption of the barber gimmick. Uh, Poffo and the Can-Ams won this WWF Superstars Wrestling match by pinfall. God, I remember watching that at my aunt and uncle's house like it was yesterday. On March, sitting on the floor. On yeah. March 18, nineteen eighty nine, he turned heel. He berated the local Boston sports teams, uh, insulting them in his poetry, and instantly drew heat from the Boston crowd. He was subsequently reintroduced as the genius, a highly intelligent, arrogant heel who wore an academic cap and gown to the ring. After weeks of giving poetry as the genius, he had his debut against Sonny Rogers and defeated him. Um, man, he, 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 his poems were now ridiculed, now ridiculed the face wrestlers, and he adopted an exaggerated, effeminate, showboating manner, similar to that empowered and employed by uh, Gorgeous George to draw heat from the crowd. And also Ricky Starr as well. Yeah, he had matches against Jim Powers, uh, Paul Roma, uh, Coco Beware, and, uh, then eventually he... Uh, will end up on Saturday's main event against Hulk. Of course, that's uh, that's our show today, so we'll get to that in one minute. Uh, we kind of usually start stop there, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit about his life after wrestling. Uh, he published two books, one a collection of poems and limericks, uh, most of which were related to drug and alcohol awareness for young children. He was a vocal opponent of tobacco smoking and published an anti-smoking book of limericks uh he appeared in infomercials as an endorser of tony little's gazelle freestyle exercise, exercise <laughs> I remember, machine. I forgot, forgot about that yeah he yeah he, he was a certified credit counselor and motivational speaker um in march of 2013 he played a canine officer in the discovery investigation networks i almost got away with it oh there's something i did not know yeah in 2018 he released a biographical comic through squared circle comics titled the genius lanny poffo uh he was a big fan of broadway musicals and show tunes um on september 3rd 2018 poffo alongside jp zarka for wrestlingstories.com uh, launched a weekly podcast titled the genius cast with lanny poffo good podcast really good it featured 20 episodes yeah. including interviews um it ended its run only because there was just more for Lanny to do. You know, I mean, he he was a divorced guy. He had one daughter, um, and he really lived his best life. Sadly, on February 2nd, 2023, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, a longtime personal friend of the Poffo family, revealed that Poffo had died at the age of 68. What a shock. Dave Meltzer revealed the cause of death was heart failure. So, oh, maybe. I mean, I guess you know, it was just your time. It's your time because he, he lived a healthy life, you know, as far as we know, you know. 
He had just been in New York City seeing the bro, like you said, he's into Broadway. Broadway show Wicked. I believe it was the night before, like that night. He passed. Went. I guess went to a hotel and passed away. It was either that night or or, or, or the second, another night. You know, you know, two nights later. Yeah, really close. It was that, very sure. close. Yeah. yeah. And oh my god, I mean, I, I don't know. You just start picking at little things. It did look like he was a little tired in some of the pictures. But I mean, I don't know. I, who the hell was you'd expect him to, to to be eighty into his eighties? You know, he saved Somebody his like money. His, he lived right. You know, and and yeah. and he's the reason we have the Macho Man in the Hall of Fame. He's the reason right. we have the Macho Man DVDs that we have. Um, the the Macho Man documentary the WWF did a few years ago, not the hit piece on any, because he was did a really great job carrying on Macho Man's legacy after he died. Do you, do you happen to know? Did they do a package on him, the WWE? I know they did a thing in the beginning tribute. I don't know if they did a video or not. I, I hope so. I hope so. I, I yeah. I haven't watched. Yeah, I watched the Royal Rumble, but I mean that's about it. Yeah, I don't no. watch the weekly shows. Yeah, I didn't. I, I my answer, I guess, is I don't know. I don't know for sure. I know that they did dedicate that like next week of TVs to him. You know, with the picture in the beginning the picture at the beginning yeah. but he, he, he deserves a little package i know they did one for nikolai when he when he went i don't know if kamala got one so sometimes it, it's weird the, the way they pick and choose you know what, what who they his gimmick for different things his gimmick was the genius but he was a very smart and cultured man it wasn't a stretch he was a very smart guy he spoke a bunch of different languages like i said he was really cultured with things like broadway and art and you know some of the things that you wouldn't think of professional wrestlers maybe knowing about but he did and loved it and anytime you listen to him talk he was so engaging to me i love to listen to him talk about the business talk about life um i took what he said seriously he's one of my favorite wrestlers of his level you know what i mean like i think he is my favorite guy Lower card guy. Lower card guy, yeah. Right. And the shoot interviews you love up there. Oh, he's so Ex- good. He's so smart and, you know, articulate and, and honest and, you know. Um, Duggan's just, very, uh, Jim Duggan, we mentioned him earlier, is also very good at them. Just a handful of guys that are very, very good. Lenny's right at the top of that list. Yeah, really good. If you can listen, if you the podcast, you know, you go to ProWrestlingStories.com. It's archived there. And it's worth your time if you haven't heard it because – He's just so articulate, and um, you know he doesn't speak to speak. When he spoke, it mattered. The words, it meant something. Yeah, the words that came out of his mouth meant something. It's a huge loss. It really is to wrestling. And you know what? He was so appreciative too. He, this you be like Lanny, right? Because he never once said a bad wor- word about Hulk Hogan. Why? Because he was so grateful to Hulk for this night we're going to talk about tonight. And he said he's never going to bite the hand that feeds him. You know, he was so appreciative of Hulk for this. You know, always stayed neutral when his brother and Hulk were on the outs. Helped in a way to mend that fence. And, you know, when he would get called by promotions to be a part of something. Who's the wrestler that does, a, a you know, a, a impression of his brother? Oh, Black Machismo? Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal, yeah. Um. Yeah. He was on one of those first AEW shows, and they invited Lanny out to it. And I remember Lanny just being so appreciative. And I don't know. There's just something about him that I think was really special. And uh, Was that AEW? 
It was one of the very first shows. I don't even think it was called AEW yet. It was when they did those first couple paper. Conrad was yeah, you know, know all in. One was called, I think, and you know, right. In the first, yeah, it wasn't completely established yet. Yeah, one of those first, um, like kind of independent shows that they did. When Cody yeah, and the Young Bucks first yeah, broke yeah. off or whatever. It wasn't AEW formally yet before that. But right. just a really good dude. And uh he'll be missed. So rest in peace, Leaping Lanny. We're gonna we're gonna miss you. We're gonna yeah, play rest in peace. We're for... gonna pay tribute to him uh and his great night on top with Hulk. But before we get to that, Dave, it's time for me to take a break, have a sip of water after all that biographying, and turn the mic over to you, Dave, for where is Hulk? Okay, apologies in advance to our great listeners out there because this one is a little boring in my opinion. You're not going to get, you know, every we have to, we have to put what's here, what the time timeline reads, and so the our show was taped on October 31st, Halloween 1989, and I was the Joker that year, by the way, and um, <laughs> and uh, it aired. It didn't air all the way until after the Survivor oh, Series of the, at the movie? ending of. Is that how you know? Yeah, Batman at the end of November. Batman and I at the end of November. So this one was really moldy, almost almost a full month. But uh, so I'm gonna give you the whole month in November. Not much Hulk, not much going on, guys. Sorry, but uh, November 11th in Augusta, Georgia, at the Richmond County Civic Center, Hulk Hogan over Bad News Brown. November 12th in the NWA territory here in Norfolk, Virginia at the Scope. Only 4,000 Hulk Hogan over Bad News Brown. Now, th- th- this is 1989. Hogan already had the Mega Powers feuded with Bad News already in 88, a, a year prior to this, around October, November 88. Hogan and Savage were working with him in a lot of different spots. We had a match here in the Meadowlands, so a lot of people probably saw this already. Uh, They're running out of opponents maybe here for the Hulk. In uh, 1989, uh, November 13th, Roanoke, Virginia, 2,300 people at the Civic Center. Hogan over Bad News Brown. I don't know what that holds there, but that doesn't look good. November 20th, the Indianapolis Market Square Arena, Superstars taping. uh, Hulk Hogan over Mr. Perfect in a dark match by disqualification. So I guess that doesn't really hurt the perfect record uh, if it's a DQ there, I guess we'll say. That's a dark match, of course, on Superstars taping. Next day at the Challenge taping, uh, same thing. Hogan over Mr. Perfect EQ in the dark match. That would be at the Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne, Indiana. November 22nd, St. Paul, Minnesota at the Civic Center. 3,700 come to see Mr. Perfect over the Hulkster by a countout. These are rough numbers here in November 89. heck's going on here? Uh, November 23rd, Survivor Series. Uh, here's a sellout, 15,294 at the Rosemont Horizon. Uh, the Immortal Hulk Hogan uh, team defeats uh, the Million Dollar Team as the Hulkamaniacs defeat the Million Dollar Team as Hogan de- uh, defeats Ted DiBiase and is the sole survivor. And just one more, December 1st, Austin, Texas. Here we got a nice house, 13,500. First time for the WWF in Austin, Texas. The Hulkster goes over Mr. Perfect. That's it. That's it. Short month. That's it. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to read the news. We're going to talk about Saturday night's main event. Uh, we're going to rate the match. We're going to do all the things we usually do uh, when we get back. So let's take a break, Dave, and let's let's do the uh, let's do the thing here. And when we come back, let's do it.
24-inch podcast. We are back. It's the Leaping Lanny Poffo tribute show. We're going to get to his big night in a second. But first, Dave, it's time to read the news. But before we get to the news of 1989, Dave, you have some breaking news in 2023. With late breaking, <laughs> late breaking news here in 2023. I just got a uh, text message from the incomparable Chester DeZickowitz and a tag on Instagram of none other than the Mountie Jacques Rougeau singing karaoke at Hulk Hogan's uh, hangout um, from Monday Night Karaoke with the Hulkster there. And I just, I, when I saw the text, I like thought like, oh, fuck. Jacques Rougeau, I hope it didn't say dead or something you know what i mean mm. and but it, but it, but it was a happy text and he's wearing he's wearing an nwo hollywood shirt sing, singing uh singing along hulk's had a lot of the wrestlers there uh steve yeah. kern you know skinner Duggan. obviously uh duggan uh brian Nobbs, flair flair was there every week for a while <laughs> dancing with brooke you know he loves the party uh, yeah you know one one day one monday i'm gonna fly out there and somehow hogan will be there that night he like <laughs> hangs out he hangs out with the people he's like yeah this is hulk hogan he's like sitting there i mean unless like there's something we're not seeing you know on the facebooks and Instagram, nah. maybe no nope, roped off nah. doesn't look, doesn't look like it you know i, I think people just hold you know Leave him alone to, you know, probably just go up six and yeah. you, know, you can't be all over him. It's you a know? party. It's just go yeah. a party with the Hulk. So, yeah. All right. Well, here's my thought, Dave. Eventually, we're going to get to Survivor Series 89, uh, which is in November, obviously. Uh, we have a little bit of an out with this show because it was recorded, as you mentioned earlier, in October of 89. Um, so we will do the news for when the show was recorded. October of 1989, Dave. And we'll start October 1st, a big day in publishing. Uh, one of Dave's favorite authors, Danielle Steele, a new novel, Daddy, is published. Talking about George the Animal Steele, her father? That's the daughter of George Steele, a very famous <laughs> author. Uh, and her book, Daddy, was uh, published, yes. Uh, all about her father's life. Um, October 1st, also. I wonder if uh, Miss, uh, Miss Elizabeth might be the mother, brother. I'm a little paranoid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> October 1st, U.S. Army General Colin Powell becomes the youngest chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the nation's highest military position at age 52. And we'd hear more from him, obviously, in the next couple of years. Uh, right. October 3rd, the NHL welcomes a class into their Hall of Fame. Daryl Sittler, uh, Vladislav Tretiak, and Herbie Lewis are inducted, along with league builders Alan Eagleson and Father David Bauer. Some great centers there, as I learned last week. A center is a hockey position. Yes, it is. In between okay. uh, left and right wing, of course. Right, right. Uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there week by week. Uh, let's see. Okay, October 4th, Major League Baseball. This is for your dad. This is a uh, honor of uh, Mr. I know. Uh, Mr. Uh, Rollins. One of my favorite sports who moments will as be, a kid. Uh, who will be 80 years old this Friday, March oh, 3rd. So just for him. Remembering, him. remembering this great day. In San Francisco Giants history, as first baseman Will Clark hits the first NLCS Grand Slam since 1977 in an 11-3 win versus the Cubs at Wrigley Field. He goes 4-for-4 four four with two home runs to tie the NLCS RBI record with six for an entire series in less than four innings. Um, and, of course, they would go on to win 
uh, the American League Championship, their National League Championship Series. National League. And there'll be more about that, I'm sure, as we go on. Yeah, yeah, we got, yep. we got a big story big coming, coming up yep. like that. It, it, it doesn't leak into November like the World Series does now. It's This is, right. everything's in October. Yes. Right. Um, a huge night in pop culture, October 7th. Howard Stern's U.S. Open Source tennis match against this producer, Gary Delabate, at the NASA Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. Uh, it's recorded for VHS later. It was it aired on the radio. He had a, a woman play the national anthem on piano um, who didn't have arms or legs. Uh, <laughs> Gary beat Howard in the tennis she great, match. She was a great penis, though. She was. Uh, and um, just a wild night. Um, Sam Kinison was there. Um, Jessica Hahn was there. Um, just some of the great early coward Sounds stuff that will never be duplicated. Sounds like fun. I don't know how, if I want to see Sam Kennison in tennis shorts, but uh, they sold you know. they sold the whole thing out, like the whole NASA Coliseum out in like a day. Wild. Um, October seventh, the Oakland A's. Ricky Henderson steals the record eight bases in a playoff series, five games against the Toronto Blue Jays. They would win the ALCS. Four games to one, uh, four to three in game five. They go to the World Series. They'll face uh, their friends, the, the Giants, who on October 9th beat the Cubs four games to one. So so two five-gamers for the teams in the Bay. And uh, similar to like in 2000, and, uh, 2000 when we had the Subway Series in 89, we have the, uh, what, the, the Bay Bridge Series, I guess. Whatever you want to call it. Whatever yeah. you want to call it, the two teams uh, from Oakland the Oakland and San Fran. Uh, October 9th, the first NFL game coached by an African-American, uh, Art Shell. His Raiders beat the Jets 14-7 on Monday Night Football. Uh, December 12th, a huge, huge moment. Another football story here. Dallas running back Herschel Walker, uh, later a failed, Dear friend of mine. failed Georgia Senate candidate, uh, is traded from the Cowboys to the Minnesota Vikings for five players and six future draft picks, which were... Used to pick guys like, you know, Emmett Smith and uh, Russell Maryland, Kevin Smith and Daryl Woodson, a big part of the Cowboys three Super Bowl wins in the 90s. Good man, that Herschel Walker. Walk, Walker. Why can't I say that word? I don't know. <clears throat> October 13th, the Dow Jones is down 190.58 points. Uh, October 14th, the World Series begins. Uh, Dave Stewart is the first since 1976 to start consecutive World Series openers as he had started Game 1 in 1988, which is a very famous game, Dave, with one of the most famous home runs in World Series history when your favorite player hit a home run off Dennis Eckersley. And the great uh, Vince Scully said, I cannot believe what I just saw. And that player is, Dave? Well, is the Giants we're talking about here? Uh, it was a Dodger in 88. One of the most oh, famous, one of the most famous home runs because the story here, of course, Dave, is that Stewart is the first player to pitch game ones in consecutive years. 88 was in a famous, famous game where your close personal favorite baseball player hit a home run to win the World's game one of the World Series. And, and uh, Tommy Lasorda is running on the field and the place is going nuts. Yeah, he yeah. only had one leg. Remember, he was injured. He won the MVP that year. Oh, Kirk Gibson. Never heard of him. That's amazing. Um, hey, wait, does he play guitar? Gibson? Oh, uh, his else. father invented it. Um, October 15th, American radio and television evangelist Billy Graham is given the 1900th star on the Hollywood Boulevard. 
No, this, this could be too easy of a joke for a wrestling podcast, so I guess we're just going to skip right over it. Well, he's, start Billy Graham. <laughs> he's the first clergyman to be granted yeah. a star. But I think we're going to change that star. We're going to go over there with a little graffiti. My friend was just, my friend Jen was just out there uh, looking at the stars um, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, if I knew in advance, we'd have her bring a uh, thing of spray paint and write superstar right over that mm. Billy Graham on that star. Right there. He's not doing too well these days. So shout out to the great innovator, superstar Billy Graham brother, who's uh, been having some health issues at age 79. God bless. All right, October 15th, another, wow, some big sports stuff this month. Wayne Gretzky passes Gordie Howe as the NHL's all-time top scorer. That seems pretty important. Still stands to this day. Uh, October 17th, Columbia Records releases Stormfront, the 11th studio album by Billy Joel, featuring one of my favorite songs of all time, the Downeaster Alexa. All right, so 89, that's, that's We Didn't Start the Fire, right? It's a big hit. Uh, yep, and I won't go to I go to extremes. Great song, great He's song on there as well. Uh, but Don't want to see it. Alexa's the jam. If you ask me, you going to the garden no. soon? Ah, uh, no. I mean, oh. I, I don't have tickets, but oh. I, I've seen I've seen them there two or three times. Yeah, always, get, always, always an amazing time. Yeah, yeah, amazing song after song after song after song, hit after hit after hit. Just yeah, I hopefully I get out there soon again. But we do, like I said, we just got to. Uh, we did a drunk uh, ticket sale of Brian Adams tickets the other night <laughs> for the garden. Cuts like a knife. All right. Also yeah. on October 17th, Dave, we hinted at it earlier. An earthquake in San Francisco, 6.9 on the Richter scale, cancels game three of the World Series, kills 67 people, delayed the World Series for a week. Uh, I was watching live. I had taken a nap that day to earn time. This was a thing my parents would do when I wanted to watch a sporting event, like if the Sabres were on the West Coast or a World Series game, or Monday Night Football, I could nap. And for however long I napped, I could stay up past my bedtime, that amount of time. So I had taken a nap that day to watch the World Series, and I remember sitting down to watch it. My mom was sitting there. It's a uh, cool rule. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that that actually works that way. Like, if I was any less tired the next day, I don't know, know for sure, but it was day it worked for me. Um, I'm a nap guy anyway, so I was fine with it. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd sat down on the couch. My mom was next to me. We're watching. And uh, I, I remember Al Michaels is talking and then the, it cut out and there's a little bit of confusion. And the next thing you know, Roseanne was on. Um, and then, you know, a few months, a few minutes later, they cut off Roseanne and then they explained what had happened. But um, yeah, crazy. Did you, you remember this at all? I was watching live. Yeah. Believe it or not, I was watching live with my father because it, cause, cause it was the Giants. Right. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember it very, very well. To be honest with you, I remember the cutout to, to, to Roseanne and, the, you know, just the camera shaking. And the, I think maybe one of the baseball players hug, hugging their wives stick to my head. Yeah. You know, or, to, or something like that. It was confusion, yeah. you know, just like what's yeah. going on? What's happening? Where's I the think, game? And know. this is where we got our earthquake from, I think, uh, was named short very yeah. shortly after this incident. Yeah. We might not have tend to may not have never had that gimmick if it wasn't for this uh in a, situation at the World Series. You know, a really interesting night in the career of Al Michaels, too, because he's there to call the World Series for ABC Sports. And before he knows it, he's the man there for ABC News. You know what I mean? And sort of had a transition into that role, uh, speaking to Brokaw in the studio in New York and kind of talking them through what he was seeing, what was happening. It was a different time in terms of technology and 
um, you know, things went down that they couldn't get up. And are we on the air? Are we off the air? But anywhere. Very historic. Yeah. I'm going to have to YouTube that tonight. Kind of like when they announced John Lennon got shot on Monday Night yeah, Football. Yeah, exactly. Just, Very yeah, similar. Yeah, similar. Yeah. yeah. And there's a great 30 for 30 um, ESPN did about the, this World Series. But it's not really about the World Series. It's really more about the earthquake the and what happened. And, you know, um, really well done. Um, 30 for 30 is like a really great documentary series. And um, that's a really good one that transcends sports. Cause it's really not about the sports per se. Yeah. I got, I got to look up the date on that superstars where earthquake came out of the crowd. Uh, actually they just called him John that day, but then the, the next week on the update, they called him earthquake right after this. If so, yeah, we wouldn't have had uh, any of that Hulk earthquake stuff. Uh, if I had to have gotten the idea from, from this, you know, the name, the earthquake, it's just too, too close, you know, too close in time. Yeah. Pretty Wild. cool. Uh, October 23rd, uh, George Harrison releases a uh, best of dark horse, 1976, 89 album. You had a George Harrison song. You love Dave. Got my mind set on you. Yeah. Good. It a revi- That was his revival hit in the eighties. Right. Maybe, have- maybe it was on. 80, maybe it was 89, right? Well, well this is a, a hits yeah. album. I'm sure it was on there. Yeah. Um, was there a Beatles Harrison song you like? Maybe While My Guitar Gently Weeps or something? Or is there a George yeah, I, Beatles song you like? Um, I'm not the biggest Beatles guy in, in the world. I say that, but then when their songs come on, I'm like, I love this song. So uh, he sings Here Comes the Sun, right? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably going to be that. And our... Um, Oh, oh my God! The upbeat one, um, my sweet lord. Is that George Harrison? Is that solo though, or is that Beatles? I have no idea. I like that song though a lot. Yeah, it's a George Harrison solo song. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so you got here, here goes uh, here comes the sun. Okay, here comes the sun. Do 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 do. Um, uh, that's of course from Abbey Road. There's a really good documentary on Disney Plus about the Abbey Road studio and all of the historic albums that were recorded there. It was actually made by one of Paul McCartney's kids, his daughter. Um, it's really cool. So if you have, if you're out there, you have Disney plus, you want to hear about Abbey Road. It's really well done. And they talk about dark side of the moon being recorded there. And I had watched it this week with, or a couple weeks ago with Paula and she got her calendar for March and they're having a science and math day to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon. And she said her teacher mentioned it, and nobody in the class knew what the hell Dark Side of the Moon was, except for Paula, because she had just seen that documentary. And she said, Steve Bennett's her dad. Yeah. She said, I knew, I know that. They recorded it at Abbey Road. <laughs> wow. She rec- She's in kindergarten, right? First grade. First grade now. Yeah, okay. she, she yeah, recognized that. Still, it's amazing. Yeah, the album cover and everything. So, funny. Uh, October 24th, after a week's delay due to the earthquake, World Series Game 3 is finally played. Um, October 24th, America... Didn't go too well for the Giants. It did not. Unfortunately, no. Four games, sweep. I'm sure we'll get to that in a day or two. Uh, October 24th, American televangelist Jim Baker is sentenced to 40 years, 45 years in prison for the fraud, uh, but it's later reduced to eight years on appeal. Uh, he, of course, is the televangelist that made Jessica Hahn famous, one of the big scandals. Of the 1980s, right? Uh, that's how we got our brother love character. Yes. This news is this news is relating a lot to our characters. You know how, how yeah. they came about. 
Uh, October 28th, Baseball World Series. The A's beat the Giants 9-6 at Candle Sweet Park, Candlestick Park to sweep the Giants in an earthquake affected by the Bay Bridge Series. Uh, Dave Stewart, the pitcher mentioned earlier, who pitched Game 1, was the MVP. Of course, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, Walt Weiss, Dave Henderson, Terry Steinbach, Mike Gallego, Dennis Eckersley, Bob Welch, all members of that historic A's team. Uh, to win that. The only one they won, they went in 88, 89, and 90, lost to the Dodgers and to the Reds in 88 and 90, beat the uh, beat the Giants in 89. Um, October 29th, Ozzie Newsom ends the NFL streak of 150 consecutive games with a reception, the famous tight end for the Browns. Um, and then we'll close out Halloween, October 31st. Um, A.R. Gurney's play Love Letters, a play. It premieres in New York City. Always have to get one of those in, right, Dave? Let's hope Lenny Poffo got to see it. Hopefully it was one of that? Lenny's favorites, and he loved that musical, A.R. Gurney's play. And one more thing. Love I already, I already yep. mentioned... I already mentioned I was a joker that year for Halloween. Yeah. What were you? Do you remember you? A bowling you ball. Were? That was the year I was a bowling ball. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's something that would win. Because I did. A, I went in third place. And you made it. Did third you win third place. place? Yeah. I won for the mummy once because of the way, I guess, my mom wrapped me or something. It was it was a unique looking mummy. That's the only time I ever won. Yeah. This is the only time I won because I would go. We, we had a, like a dance party or whatever at my elementary school every year. And I always thought that I would win with the vinyl costume with the mask. Like, I was always shocked I didn't win, you know? <laughs> and my mom said to me, if you want to win, we got to make something. He's like, She's like, you see every year the ones that win are the ones, you know, with the kiss, the kiss asses and their parents that they spend 70 hours building so they turn into a fire hydrant or whatever. Right. So we thought for days and hours, and we came up with the idea of bowling ball. What we did was we used one of those – big black garbage bags and we cut armholes out and stuffed it stuffed it up with newspaper to make it round and we wrote Brunswick on it and put the finger holes and I was so pumped. Very cool. So pumped to win because I don't I don't think I've ever seen anybody as do that before. That's very yeah, cool. Third place. And I remember saying like the hell was second and first place. Do I don't remember? remember. Bullshit. Should have been me. Yeah. But I remember telling him I think one was a the winner was a fire truck. Someone made oh, like okay. a cardboard fire truck and they carried it around all night. Had the dumb fire hat on, a little kiss ass kid. But uh, kind of like the, the girls in the uh, girls in cars on a slammies with the roller skates with the cars. So similar, <laughs> so similar. Yeah. But uh, I remember just telling my mom like it's cool to win, but I still think my other costumes are better. <laughs> like I just didn't get it. I thought that you know He Man with the vinyl vinyl thing and the mask was the best costume in writing. You know, you know how could that you're gonna not be win? A- you're gonna be amazed at this, but you know I've never been Hulk Hogan for Halloween. I was never Hulk either. I was never. Nah. I was always just like I would go to Rite Aid. My mom would give me ten bucks. I would go there like two days before Halloween. There's a Rite Aid kind of near my corner. I'd walk down there. I'd spend an hour looking up and down at every single costume they had, and I'd pick one out. And it was usually, you know, He Man. I was Mr. T one year. Oh, it kind of bombed. It's a cool one. Didn't kind of come off as good as I hoped. I had the like jean jacket with the arms cut and the gold and didn't do blackface, but so I I, right. I didn't get canceled. But um, it, it would have been a right, it would have been a right back. Yeah, then it might have been okay. Dressing then. up as a black man. Yeah, but it just didn't. <laughs> I remember the Mister T. I was disappointed in it. It wasn't what I 
when I what I had in my head when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see that. You know, if, I mean? if you were going to dress up as Hulk Hogan, I would change the color tone of my skin if it wasn't the summertime. You know, it's not the summertime in October, obviously. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's the same thing. That's a whole, uh, whole different I never topic, got it. I guess. Yeah, a whole other topic. But uh, anyway, I was actually Roddy Piper as, as an adult, though, um, going to the bars and stuff. And I don't know if it was in my 20s or my 30s. And I was also, believe it or not, Jeff Hardy with uh, my friend Steve. We were the Hardy boys uh, during that, I don't know, 2000, 2001 era. He, he talked me into it. But uh, it, came, it actually came out pretty good. I have, uh, see, later in high school, there was a dance. And I didn't really want to go. And right around this time, I was really good friends with my maintenance man. Uh, my apartment complex and he talked me into going and you know i said well i don't really have a costume so what he ended up doing was um making a shower costume for me and i went to the dance as a shower and i saw my crush there and she right away knew i was the shower and it was really <laughs> great and we we're having a great- you almost you almost had me there for a second <laughs> <laughs> Dave says, "Oh, really? Wow! Oh. Yeah, you, you almost got me. For our listeners out there that don't know, that that's aren't catching on, kid, yeah. that's from the Karate Kid." <laughs> All right, that's, now that's now that's a first place costume. Yes, that was definitely one that night. That damn chicken, though, kind of ruined the night. Yeah, yeah. I always say like, there's this re- like reverse whatever on the internet. You know, Daniel's not the hero; it's Johnny and all this bullshit. The only thing I'm critical of Daniel of is he had a chance to go basically make out all night in that shower because no one would see in with Allie. And instead, he's got to push buttons with Johnny and get his ass kicked by a bunch yeah, of guys. Yeah, he could have just, just let it go. He yeah, continue. let they it go that night. It. Let it right. go that night. You, it's the it's perfect for you. She looks ridiculously hot dressed up as whatever she was in that white outfit with the... Yeah, and, angel. And you got the door you got your you know get a room you don't need a room you got a thing to cl- i don't know i i always say daniel screwed up there for sure but <laughs> anyway all right saturday night's main event it is number 14 and uh it was recorded on halloween 89 the night that dave was a joker in topeka kansas like we said at the sunflower state expo center and it aired much later november 5th 1989 no, NBA. November November twenty fifth. Twenty fifth, excuse me. Yeah. yeah, my bad. After the Survivor Series too. So After that's, the that's Survivor a Series, major big point. Yeah. Survivor Series Thursday this Saturday. Always one of the best weekends of wrestling. In yeah, the year. yeah. And you, you, we would get an MSG thrown in there somewhere too on the Saturday night, wow. or even before or the Friday night, or even the Sunday. Yeah, we'd be all kind of stuff going on. Well, it aired on Here NBC and it drew an eight point seven rating. Um, which I mean, still good. They still would, good. They would kill for that. Kill for that. Yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's getting. They drop quick. They they start going down to the sixes, which is still great for now. But when they were but when they were doing you know elevens and twelves, uh, I guess when the warrior wins the belt, it's and they, they just stop having them. They become few few and far between. The Saturday. Well, the first one in nineties back up to eleven point one. That's okay. Hogan and the Warrior defeat Perfect and the Genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I don't have a rating for the one after that. Let's see. 7.2 for the one in July of 90. It's down. That's for, that's that's low for SNME. Yeah, 7.7. So maybe not quite the sixes. 
uh, for the first one in Fox uh, in Fox in '92. But the, it basically bottomed out around seven. Yeah, I mean, we're, we don't even have to call it a bottom out. Just wasn't that, you know. And Saturday Night Live was starting to get hot at this time, right? Church uh, Lady and all a lot those, of yeah. a lot of Wayne's World, a lot of yeah. cool stuff on Saturday Night Live. So I think that that they were saying like, yeah, nah, man, like we, you know, we we'd rather put on Saturday Night Live repeat might might do the uh, a bigger a bigger number there. But that's a that's unfortunate because Saturday Night's main event was the best. Yeah. Oh, nothing. Nothing like it. We've talked about before watching it. You know, I just I just remember just fighting to stay awake. You know, like it's Saturday. I'm at my dad's. He's gonna let me stay up. All I have to do is stay up. <laughs> just stay up. Just make it. And those last like eight minutes of the news, just waiting and waiting, and my eyes getting heavier and heavier. But I always taped it. Most of the time, I woke up and had to watch it because I. Maybe a few times I made it and watched the show that night, but a lot of the times I fell asleep. Um, yeah, but- I mean, I, I made most of them. There, there's been a couple of doze offs that I remember. I remember, uh, strictly remember for some reason, uh, I'm sorry, vividly remember for some reason dozing off when the Hogan Akeem one uh, um, on and off for some reason. I couldn't keep my eyes open. But usually, that's, you know, that's why they'd have the Hulk match either first or second. For right. That very, for that very reason. It, it was, was set up the way. the opposite way. Yeah, it was set up the way. Saturday Live is where you front right, load exactly. the stuff, the best sketches yeah. and the best, the music and all that. Um, yeah, so there was there's plenty of times I dozed off by the last match, you know, so you know killer bees against somebody or something. But yeah, but the uh, I usually did okay for the first two or three. Uh, the opening promos are from the Warrior Andre and Bobby Dusty, Bossman and Slick, Genius and Hogan. Uh, Vince and Jesse welcome us to set the stage for the night. Jesse says Vince put on six pounds and must have ate a whole pumpkin pie. Um, <laughs> a reference, of course, to Thanksgiving. And we start off with a recap package setting up the Andre Warrior match. Uh, Jesse talks to Andre and Bobby, who play up the psychological advantage over Warrior due to past attacks. Jesse asks if Rude will be jealous if Andre takes the goal, but Bobby says it's all in the family. And Andre is in full senile goof mode, and it's great. Uh, also, I want to thank real quick Justin Rosero from the Place to Be Nation. He provides these notes for me, so I don't have to transcribe them myself. Uh, really appreciate Justin's help. Some of thank the you, ed- editorializing, though, uh, is from him. Uh, calling Andre senile. Those are his words, Andre, not mine. Uh, so if you see me in heaven, don't choke me. Uh, Gene talks to Warrior. Who does warrior things and storms off. Um, so that sounds about right. A uh, huge free match. Huge match here on free TV. The culmination of a fall feud and final step before Warrior's next elevation point. Warrior was rocking pink tights in the interview. And he's got orange here as he changes out like a madman. Charges out like a madman. Uh, and Andre chokes him to begin and we're off. They give him 7 minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, Warrior defeats Bobby by disqualification. This was for the Intercontinental Championship, of course, in the beginning. Two great title matches tonight, Jess. Uh, This is the first of two, uh, and Warrior holds on to the belt by disqualification. Not the best finish, I didn't think. A little bit disappointing. Would have liked to have seen either, um, you know, some kind of count out or maybe the uh, pinfalls that they were doing at MSG. Um I don't know. 
Didn't love the finish, but love the match. Love Andre and Warrior in a big spot here. Some good stuff. Dave, thoughts on this? Oh, yeah, this is actually Andre's last big singles match, if you think about it, on, on, at least on a big television basis. Because uh, you know, he went right into the team with Haku, right, at the Survivor Series and uh, hung out on the apron there. So this is kind of uh, legendary uh, in that way. Uh, I know he did not like working with the Warrior. Uh, there's been a couple of stories told by Heenan that, you know, he'd be put when he was tied in the ropes, he got out and put, put his uh, warriors running into him. Andre put the fist up and nailed him. But yeah, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, Vince, this was Vince's guy. This is a warrior. I mean, he did, he did look, he looked like what was going on at that time. That fluorescent color was brand new on shirts and skateboards and different things. He, he really was fitting the time the ultimate warrior right at the time and poor Andre got, you know, he's got to take the I mean, get pinned here, but they, they did do some around the horn. We got one at the garden where Andre get pinned in like three seconds, you know, where just runs in and music does like honky at SummerSlam 88, like that same finish. And uh, that, that, that was hard to see. Yeah. I think uh, it was depending on how Andre felt that night, right? If they would yeah. do the quick match or the, you know, the right. 10 minute match they did here. The garden, we got the ten minute uh, one the first month, and then they came back and did the uh, and did the quick and did the quick one. But uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Andre, you know, on his definitely on his way out. Once, once he once he turned to the dark blue singlet from the black, right? That was pretty much the beginning of the end, right? Uh, Fortunately, Hulk's up next. We're gonna skip that for a second. We'll come back. We'll do the Hulk stuff last. Uh, we get a so now after Hulk, we get a great recap package to set up Rhodes and Bossman. Gene talks to Bossman and Slick. Slick calls Dusty a repeat offender and a three-time loser, and he's subject to the full weight of the law. Bossman says Dusty will feel the pain. Lots of law and prison jokes here. This stuff was usually written by the um, NBC staff. These promos, right, right. So they're they would be a little bit punny, you know, and things like that. But they did it for. The wrestler is not usually doing this kind of thing. They did a great job, I thought, always reciting these. Uh, Gene is with Dusty making his Saturday Night's Main Event debut. He's here to show justice will prevail, and he's a common man that stood up when the bully took advantage. The common people need a common man to lead them. And we get Dusty versus Boss Man uh, is up next. They give them 4 minutes and 47 seconds, and Dusty... Uh, wins the match here. Um, quick, short, didn't give him a ton of time. Um, Dusty rolls up Bossman for the win. Uh, Slick gets distracted by a fan. Um, Dusty calls the fan out, and they dance in the ring to a big pop. As Jesse, <laughs> Jesse makes fat jokes. Um, Dusty sneaks out a win. Um, instead of winning the feud in a strong way, the focus... More than anything else, really, was on the fan for whatever reason. But what did you that's, think? That's the fan is Sapphire. Sapphire, sweet and Sapphire, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that yeah. was her debut. That's her debut there. Uh, she, I think they might have been showing her sitting watching him on like Superstars and Challenge. But she, this is the first time she she came into the ring, and uh, she added a lot of entertainment to that package. I was a big Dusty fan at this time. I I thought he was very very entertaining you know i didn't watch it i knew who he was you know but i didn't watch nwa and stuff but um god was he uh entertaining you know for a nine-year-old kid uh the way he talks the way he dances with, with sapphire 
and all. Yeah, a lot of fun. Great feud. I remember uh, when, when he first came in and he uh, took the handcuffs, a nice stick away from the boss man. He was to, they, At first they had him in tie-dye because Don Morocco had left. But then uh, I guess Vince changed him, changed his mind and uh, put him in put him in the polka dots, and I still don't see that as a rib. Why Why would you want to not you know do something and not make money? You know what I mean? Like obviously he he was in main events. He main evented with Savage, you know, around the horn. Um, that was his next feud after Bossman. So I I just don't see that how 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 it could be a, a trying to make somebody look stupid when you're trying to make make money. You know, I think even Lanny Poffo has said something along those lines. It might not have been him, but one of the wrestlers has. So, um, yeah, I was all about this feud. Very, very good feud. These two, uh, Dusty played a big part in of uh, Ray Trailer, the big boss man in the NWA, when he was Big Bubba Rogers, right? Bringing him from a job guy to Jim Cornette's um, uh, bodyguard. So these two were very familiar with each other, so they put them together right away. <clears throat> uh, sadly, she, uh, Sapphire got lost. Um at SummerSlam '90 for a while, yeah. but was later found with the uh, hacksaw. Hacksaw was hacksaw was trying to find her. He's it. trying. No, we're still looking for you, Dust. <laughs> All right, next, Mister Perfect with the Genius uh, defeats the Red Rooster four thirteen in a singles match. Now the story was always that there was two gimmicks when these guys came in, Mister Rooster and Perfect, and you know, t- you know Terry Taylor got Rooster, Henning got Perfect. That's been debunked, I guess, at this point. Um, I, I mean, I could kind of see them trying with Taylor to be Mister Perfect because he had like that. There you go, cocky cock of the walk. Yep, yep. Cocky uh, uh, thing about him. But I can never see Miss Kurt Henning as the Red Rooster. Though. No, Gina, that that's where. Yeah, I don't buy it. Gene is with so the maybe, Rooster. The Rooster says he's in the best shape of his life, Dave. A few chicken jokes, and he clucks off like an idiot. <laughs> Jesse talks to Perfect, who chuckles about earlier, which we'll discuss. Um, he just took this match to add another Perfect victory, and so Tony will see him as the number one contender. Uh, they get in the ring. Uh, perfect kills him, uh, blocks a hip toss, puts him in the Perfect Plex. One, two, three. Uh, Rooster gets owned as he chuckles aimlessly. He was going down the card uh, by this point, uh, the Rooster. He was, I mean, the kid at school liked him. He, he was, I wouldn't say like super over, but he was over a, a little bit. But uh, Bruce Pritchard said he didn't really grasp the gimmick enough. Like, he, you know, he didn't want to do it. He, he wanted to always it. want, yeah. yeah, embrace it. Yeah, he, he wanted to be Ric Flair. He, he didn't want to be his own, you know, because a, a rooster is like a vicious animal, isn't it? It's like, like the, isn't, isn't like a foghorn leghorn? Or yeah, rooster? no, the roosters are mean. Big, they can be really yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fog, was it Foghorn Leghorn Looney Tune? That's a rooster. So yep. I mean, all the kids liked him. So maybe if he acted like him a little bit, you know, with that accent and stuff, it might have got over a little more, you know, with the kids and stuff in WWF. But it, it, it was okay, I guess. But uh, took a, uh, looked up to lights a lot. <laughs> uh, Gene is with the Rockers, who are excited to be here and get another crack at their old rivals. They're going to take out Bobby too, if needed. Uh, Gene talks to Bobby and the Busters, who are arguing amongst themselves until Heenan shits on them for losing the titles. Tully gives them crack back, and Heenan takes credit for what they were. Arn Anderson tries to stay calm, but says one mistake shouldn't sink the ship. Bobby wants them to listen to him, but Anderson says that that is why they lost. 
Tully said Bobby only wants the gold so he can brag, but they are the ones who earned it. So some trouble here, Dave. Didn't you want to say something about the whole Survivor yeah, Series all that? Yeah, there's a lot of conf- – with the way this was taped so far in advance, there's a lot of confusion with the Brain Busters here. Uh, this is the Superstars taping that they did Saturday Night's main event on. The Brain Busters were already on their way out. They did a year contract with WWF, and they were already given their notice. So they did this at this taping to have them have an issue with Bobby and I guess something was supposed to happen at the Survivor Series to really, you know, uh, put the nail in the coffin for them. Bobby kicks them out of the Heenan family or whatever. But then the next day at the challenge taping, Tully failed a drug test. So that hence why he's not at the Survivor Series, why Heenan has to wrestle in his place. But this then comes and airs after the Survivor Series. So it almost looked like the brain busters were... You know, as a kid, you're not, you know, you're, I didn't know all this stuff. You just think they're turning into good guys now, you know, but uh, you just, you just never see, you just never see them again. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the dirt right there, brother. Nicely done. Nicely done. Uh, Vince recaps the family issues from Survivor Series uh, to cover for why match, Kelly though. is good back match here. The rock- rockers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I thought they did a really good job. It's a two out of three falls match. Uh, they give him a good amount of time. I think they gave him seven minutes and thirty-two seconds, which is long for a last match of Serenity's main event. You know, um, the Rockers defeat the Brainbusters, of course, because the Busters are on their way yeah. out, so they're going to do the favors for uh, the Rockers, and uh, they're on their way to bigger and better things. Uh, unfortunately, the rope gets in the way in 1990 for them, but at a later Serenity's main event taping, uh, and then of course they. Dissolve their partnership famously at the barbershop. But a right. sad ending for the Brave Busters here and a big match for big match and a big win for the Brain Busters. Anything else on that one? For the Rockers. Rockers. Uh, that's about it. That's about it, man. Yeah, I just I, I enjoyed it. And um, you know, Telly and Arn kinda as much as I, I do like them, but they almost didn't fit, right? In the WWF a little bit. Yeah. They, I don't know, I don't know. There were there was something off there with them. But uh, maybe they you know, just didn't have the, have the personalities for it. I don't know. I like that they were the brain busters. Like they're Bobby's team. That was yeah. like, they were for him. They're his team. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like the, the yeah. So that 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 was kind of cool. But uh, so long, brain busters. It was nice knowing you. All right, back to the Hulk, uh, and we start here with Jesse, who's talking to the genius, who delivers a poem that says he has a plan tonight and he will be champion, among other things. Gene then is with Hogan who talks about genius's high tolerance for pain and then gives us an equation to show why genius can't win tonight. Uh, it's Hogan versus genius, the biggest match of the genius's career. Huge pop for Hogan, and after the break, we get the usual genius, genius stalling and prancing. Hogan lands the first big shot with a shove-off, a lock-up that says genius to the floor. Genius is healing, and mannerisms are really good. He deserves this push. Jesse says this is a classic lesson for kids uh, with brain versus brawn. Genius slips outside and jots notes down on his scroll, doing a math equation to figure out a game plan as Hogan paces around. Genius gets an arm drag and celebrates it and then unloads a big slap to Hogan before skipping away. (laughs) Too good. Hogan sits back and Genius does a backflip and cartwheel and skips around and then Hogan mows him down with two clotheslines and runs him into the corners between dropping him before dropping him with an elbow and doing a mocking prance. Also great. 
Uh, yeah, that was amazing. There's a, there's a gif of that, that going around Hogan doing that prance. <laughs> yeah, Hogan hits a reverse atomic drop, and the genius falls, or flails, which Hulk also mocks before hitting a back superflex, superplex. Hogan rakes the eyes and works over genius until perfect comes out and goes to take the belt. Hulk comes out to cut him off, but genius posts him as perfect chuckles at ringside. Back inside, Genius peppers away, but Hogan comes right back with a flurry and hits the big boot. Genius has done some back scratching, but Hulk comes back again and hammers away as Genius runs around flailing. Hogan slams Genius over the top to the floor in a good bump. Hogan goes out after him and gets decked with the belt by Perfect as Genius is laying on the mat and ends up with a huge count-out win. Perfect slides in with the scroll and gown as well as the title belt. Belt. They celebrate as Jesse goes wild until Hogan chases them off. A really fun match. Crazy finish. Huge underdog win. An infamous moment in wrestling history. Genius healing was really, really great. Hulk opened up the playbook on offense too. Good bumping. And it sets up perfect as the next challenger. Dave? This is the absolute best kind of match for a show like Saturday Night's Main Event. Because you got people that don't watch wrestling all the time. It's on in the bars, you know, it's, you know, it's NBC, you know, you, you watch the news and it came on and people are probably just laughing their ass off at the, you know, like, Oh, this is, this is hilarious. Entertainment. Yeah. If you're yeah. entertainment, like, hey, look, hey, hey, calling their wife in, you know, come, come look at this shit. Look, look, look what they got Hulk Hogan doing. Look at this guy with Hulk Hogan, you know, that had to be going on. It wasn't like just Hogan's out there, you know, the, the, the usual type thing. It, it, it was so different and, and so, so, so entertaining. Probably one of the most enter- entertaining matches of all time. Uh, Hulk never got his win back. From, uh, Pop That's Hulk. right. Yeah. Even though it was a count out, you know what I mean, whatever. But uh, And it was just, obviously it was to set up the perfect Hogan, you know, going, going around the loop together. Uh, you know, that's why they did this. But I think also out of the French, the friendship of Hulkin and Macho Man was very, uh, very well at this time. All right, so, so that's a, some another more reason. Some more later, uh, after the Busters match, we're backstage, and Gene is with the Genius and Perfect, who smashes the WWF title with a hammer. Perfect brags on their actions as Genius gloats and says they are desecrating Hulkamania right here and exercising their First Amendment rights. Perfect says these are the broken pieces of Hulkamania, and he deserves the title shot. He'll destroy every belt until he gets his shot. Really, really good stuff from Perfect. Uh, Gene is then with the broken belt and Hogan, who is very serious and very angry. He's pissed. It eats him alive that Genius beat him, but Perfect cut him to the bone and burned his soul and spit in his face. Hulkamania can't be destroyed this way. And is still, in fact, intact. And he vows to defeat Perfect. A good, fired-up, angry promo. And this feud is off and running hot. Uh, Vince and Jesse wrap up the show. They'll be back in January for the dawn of a new era. And the 1980s Saturday Night's main event run is over. Dave? It is over, yeah. Oh, just uh, breaking up that belt. Um, you know, that that was a thing they did in, uh, you know, an ongoing thing in wrestling. I think um, it happened to Bob Backlund. I think Billy Graham did it when he was in his karate gimmick. And uh, Valentine did it to the Intercontinental title when Tito won it. So it was a thing that they, they you know, 
an ongoing gimmick in wrestling. You, know, you break up the belt. Yeah, the green, but pa- the green IC belt got beat up. Right, right? Yeah. exactly, in a cage. But uh, apparently there's a rumor that this became the heart. Somebody picked it up and saved it. I think Mel Phillips or somebody like that, and it became the hardcore title. Right. Yeah, uh, attitude later. era. Yeah. Years later. But uh, this feud never really went anyways. Mr. Perfect, one of my top five favorite wrestlers. But, um, yeah, it was, it, it, it was, I guess, I don't know what what the problem. And he, Hogan and, and Henning were very good friends, too. And uh, But for some reason, it, well, they it have didn't the, have. They have another match in Saren's main event, the tag match, right? Yeah, tag match, and they even have one more match after Hogan loses the title to the Warrior. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So two more Saren's main events. We did. We actually done that. But I mean, around the loop, it didn't draw. You know, wasn't doing the big, the big Hulk sellouts, and uh, you know that kind of thing. I think we only did eleven thousand at the Garden, which for for this era was very, very light. Maybe perfect uh, was just Hulk too match. new. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe don't know not big was. enough. Yeah. Maybe not. He's not what people are used to, right? People are used to the monsters against Hulk. Yeah, I, I I don't know. My numbers here that I did where where Hulk was is not looking good. So maybe that's why Vince was maybe look, was looking for a change. But uh, I I don't know I I don't know what the situation was going on at this time. But when Hulk lost the belt though and started feuding with Earthquake, it was different different ball game. Now right. we're back to the same. Yeah, back the, to the a mon- big, back to the monster, the big, right? Yeah, back to the monster numbers too. So uh, did you um, want to grade it? Uh the Genius Hulk match. Yeah. <laughs> Entertainment five stars. Right. On so, but just if we're gonna put the wrestling in with it. I'll go. I'll go four. Okay, I'll go three. I think it was yeah a very good three relative to Hulk matches. Uh, relative to Hulk matches, I think you got like the five stars are like Hulk and Andre, you know, Hulk and Savage at WrestleMania more, five. More you know, yeah. yeah, we could think of those. And four star, you got like some of the great matches at the Garden, or you know, some of the other defenses. Maybe like maybe like the Hulk Earthquake match at SummerSlam, something like that. I oh, think this is that. like on the third. You know, the third tier Hulk matches. I give it three stars. Solid, solid work. Love Lanny. So glad he got this night. Totally deserved. Really fun. And and it's something I love about wrestling and miss about it, right? It's just this, the the hokiness, the goofiness, but it's serious too, right? Like, it's goofy and it's funny, but they're dead serious about the it. The Hulk starts getting yeah. pissed. Hulk's yeah. like kind of laughing at him at first and, and joking then around. Then it, not funny after anymore. A while, yeah. yeah the, uh, you're poking the bear too much after a while. But this is the kind of match where you know, you're calling people into the living room. Look, everybody knows Hulk Hogan. Look, look who they got him fighting. Look who they got him fighting. Right? That had to be. That had to be going on all, all, all the place. People laughing their asses off. You know, funny, 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 funny stuff. All right. R.I.P. Leaping yes. Lenny Popo, the genius. All right, we're gonna take a break. We got emails. We got plugs. We got an announcement for our next show. Still some work to do. So let's take a break. We're gonna come back with one more segment of the 24-inch podcast. You got it. I am a real American Fight for the rights of every man I am a real American Fight for what's right Fight for your life When it comes
24 inch podcast we are back season three episode three of the podcast don't forget to check out my other show the sports casters podcast at sports underscore casters on twitter the sportscasters at gmail.com you can find this episode of the 24 inch podcast all episodes of the 24 inch podcast and all episodes of the sportscasters on our soundcloud page soundcloud.com slash sports under sports dash casters and um, you can also find us on you know stitcher spotify google play all those great podcast places uh the sportscasters is busy lots of books in the book club um lots of interviews lots of debuts uh having fun this year um season three getting back into the groove after a shorter season last year just like it was shorter this year Uh, i also wanted to mention i was on an episode of the north south connections seinfeld chronicles i think they're calling it or something like that on their youtube page they're doing a um a recap of every seinfeld episode and i was on for season one episode four and i'm going to be on for season one episode five and keep so wait a minute yeah this can't be found on the north south connection podcast it's video only this is their one video only show so far they have okay i'll have to try to i'll have to try to remember that it's on their youtube but um Keithy from Greetings from Allentown Live and I are going to be kind of the main Seinfeld third mics with Justin and his co-host Aaron. And uh, we're going to kind of My God, Just, Justin, the guy's a machine. Yeah, he does a lot of shows, shows yeah. right? But yeah, the Seinfeld Chronicles, it's on. Um, and I was on episode four of it and I will be on five as well. So if you want to check that out, you can. Uh, be great. All right, no other plugs. Oh, 24-inch podcast plugs we should do. At 24-inch podcast on Twitter, at 24-inch podcast at gmail.com. Uh, on Instagram, we're at 24 underscore inch underscore podcast. You can find us on Facebook by searching 24-inch podcast. we got a group page there. We'll let you join it if you request it. Nice group, little nice community there. No drama, just always fun. Hulk Hogan talk, memes, things like that. Uh, Post about when new shows are up, those kinds of things. If you're interested in that, you can join us there. Dave does the Instagram. I usually do the Twitter. And email us, 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, Dave, first email, text, question, who do you got? Well, what, what, what first thing we're going to do is Tim Mangione. We're going to wish him a happy birthday. His birthday happy was yesterday. Happy birthday, Tim. I believe he's 47. If I'm wrong about that, my apologies, but it's right there in that ballpark. But, Tim, I'm sorry. Of all weeks, your birthday weeks, I can't get to your question because you decided to text me 119 texts today involving band talking about the bands that you like. And he refused to stop. I, I You could have put six bullets in him like Donald Pleasance and Halloween and Michael Myers, and the text would just keep coming. So I cannot get, scroll back far enough to get to your question. I do have an important birth- question about the bands he likes. Okay. Was one of them the ultimate roses and candies and upbeat and happy time band from the 90s, Stone Temple Pilots? It, it was not. No, oh. he, he, he's moved on from that. Okay. I, I know what you're referring to there. Too bad. Conversation. But <laughs> uh, no, it, it was uh, a lot of Kiss, a lot of Ace Freely, a lot of Ghost. Bon Jovi. Um no, no, no. Uh, we had some Steve Brown in there. Okay. Um, just it just, but it just wouldn't end. Uh, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I, I'm not an ignorer to, to, I try not to ignore uh, text, especially to my good friends. 
like like Tim is, but um, <laughs> I was trying to get trying to give him little hints here and there. You know, try to give a little hints. Okay, well, I'm driving now. It just didn't matter. It just didn't matter. It just kept coming and coming and coming. So no question, Tim. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll try to if you remember what it was, we'll get to you on the next show. So we'll start with Kevin Hogan, guys. I may have asked this in an earlier podcast, so that's nice. But don't remember. Sorry if I did. That's okay, Kevin Hogan. You're a good guy. As a kid, I liked Leaping Lenny Poffo, and he was over with me as a bad guy. God, I don't have my glasses. I hated the genius Lenny Poffo. He had that run with Hogan, but do you think they could have done more with him? Did Randy do any politicking to get him more of a push? Also, how much of a push do you think he would get, have gotten if he had come during the current era? Okay. Um, yeah, I've sat, I've, Lenny admits that uh, Randy got him uh, the genius character, and um, I think Vince thought And the it, job, he admits he got Lenny, him the job. Too. Got him the job, yeah. yeah. Lenny admits to all of that. Yeah. Um, do I think they could have done more with him? He, he, he managed Mr. Perfect, and he managed the Beverly Brothers. A lot of people forget about that. They did a lot of six-man tag team matches with the Beverly Brothers and the Genius against the Legion of Doom and Paul Ellering. Uh, I actually saw that one live in the Meadowlands. Uh, he was, was was a constant. That's why I'm surprised no action figure. I don't know about the action figures from today, but, you know, the LJNs and the Hasbros. Uh, that's, a, that's a very surprised he never got one. He, he was a constant there. Could they have done more with him? I think he put on an excellent performance with this um, – with the Hulk thing here, but that's, uh, you know, being funny with him in the ring, but it's kind of a thing you can't maybe do twice. It might not be as funny the, the second time. Um, but yeah, always, always a great hand. Always great to have around. Um, I think he was used very well. What do you, what do you think, uh, Steve? Well, you know how I feel about him. I mean, I love the guy. Yeah. So I would have always been down for more Lanny. Yeah. 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 Not yeah. that I'm not down for more, more of them, but you know, he was always there. They could have found a way in the sense that I think he's such a pro Anything they would have put in front of him, he would have made it work, you know? I think he's just really good like that. So, yeah. Well, they, well, they took Perfect away from him and gave him to Bobby, I guess, because Andre left or turned good. So Bobby needed somebody. Sure. Or or then the genius would have been managing the Intercontinental Champion. Because Perfect won. That's when he won the Intercontinental title. So that, that was a downgrade for uh, for Lanny at that point in his career in 1990 until the Till it didn't Beverly Brothers didn't come around till at least another year later, and oh, actually they were managed by John Tolis, the coach first. So uh, Lenny took over shortly after that. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yep. You we got Jamie from we got Jamie from Queens. Okay, go ahead, Jamie. What's up, Jamie? Uh, this yep. is a question strictly for Steve. This oh. has nothing to do with nothing to do with Hollywood Dave Rollins, but I have I do have to read it with no glasses on here in small print. Uh, guys, I may have asked this in an earlier po- oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's Kevin Hogan. Here we go, Jamie. I'm sorry. Uh, right, Steve, on the last episode, I was amazed that you had seen Pearl Jam over 80 times. You yeah. must have paid. You must have paid the equivalent of a car down payment seeing them. <laughs> What's the farthest you travel to see them? Were there any shows that weren't worth it? Also. I've heard a story about a Pearl Jam concert where a fan passed out hundreds of thousands, hundreds or thousands, depending on who's telling the story, of signs with the word breathe on it. Yeah, I can tell the story. Breath, not breathe, but breath. Breath. Yeah. Breath Breath being a, being a song off Pearl Jam's 10 album. No. Uh, off the single soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, from the singles. Okay. Yeah. Single soundtrack. According to the story, during a concert, Eddie showed the sea of signs asking for the song. 
and mentioned how impressed he was with somebody went to those lengths to hear that song. He then said, we're still not going to play it, though. Is there any... Is there any truth to the story or is it just a musical urban legend? Okay. Steve. All right. So let's start in the beginning. So I don't need me to repeat any of it. No, I don't think so. I think I got it. I I don't know how much money I spent because my first show was in 96, right? I know that was $150. Uh, My second show was in 98. I did two in 2000 or two in 99. I mean, 12 in 2000. And most of the time, like when I was in college, I would work hockey schools, make $600, uh, go to four Pearl Jam shows, spend the $600, go back on the road with the hockey school, make $600 more and so on. And then it'd be time to go back to school. My mom would be like, you got money for school and your books and everything? And I'd be like, no. She's like, what do you mean? You worked like seven weeks of hockey schools. And I was like, yeah, but I spent all that money on Pearl Jam. So um, yeah, I'm sure I've spent thousands on them over the years, but you know, never much at once. It's all spread out. I mean, I, my first show was a uh, 16. I was 40, I'm 42 now. So it's a long period of time. Um, were any of them ever not worth it? The closest they ever came to not being worth it, uh, was in 2004, they played a tour called vote for change. Uh, it was during the 2004, the second term for Bush and they were against him obviously. And, um, them and a lot of different artists did a tour in the swing States so, like, one night would be, let's say, Pennsylvania night, and Dave Matthews would be in Philadelphia, and Pearl Jam would be in Reading, and Bruce Springsteen would be in Pittsburgh, whatever, right? And then the tour would go to Ohio, and then the tour would go to Michigan, whatever they viewed as the swing states. And uh, I went to two of those shows. Uh, one was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it was one of my favorites. The one the night before that was in Toledo, Ohio, and the reason I'm not very fond of the show it's because Neil Young was there, and they love Neil Young a lot more than I do. And uh, after playing Rockin' the Free World with him together, Ed took a break and basically turned the stage over to what's referred to as Neil Jam. Now, Pearl Jam and, <laughs> Pearl Jam and Neil Young made a record called Mirrorball. It had a hit called Downtown, Let's Go Downtown. Um, and that's all right. That's cool. There's a song called Act of Love on there I like. But this went on and on. They played a song called Cortez the Killer. It was so boring. And Sounds like a wrestler. Like The thing is, is I was there for Pearl Jam. You know what I mean? Not Neil Jam. So I was relieved to hear that he was on a plane back to wherever he came from and not in, not in Grand Rapids the <laughs> next day. So like, look at it. If there, there's 86 shows I've been to, that's 86 for me. And it's Neil, so, Neil Young's fault. But it was, I mean, until he came out, it was great. You know what I mean? So that's, so. that's the farthest that that. that no, the farthest is Seattle. Seattle, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went to one show in Seattle, and then San yeah. Francisco. I went to a few as well. Neil Young had a benefit called the Bridge School benefit, and a lot of bands over the years played it, and um, Pearl Jam played it, and I went in '99 and 2001 uh, to see that. So San Francisco, a couple times, Seattle once, and then Vegas for the 10 year anniversary show. And then everything else is from the Midwest, you know, to the East locally for, yeah. yeah. And I mean, so many of my shows, one of the reasons I've been to 86, you're just here in New Jersey last little over a year ago. Yeah. I went to New Jersey for one. The, The thing about living in Buffalo, I'm three hours from Pittsburgh, three hours from Cleveland, hour and a half from Toronto, you know, um, four hours from 
Albany. I mean, these are all places I've seen multiple Pearl Jam shows, and those are like day trips. You know what I mean? I can drive to Cleveland, see Pearl Jam, drive home, and be home by 2.30 in the morning or whatever. You know, so. Um, well, there's something else, though, right, about Pearl Jam there? Oh, the breath story. Okay, so here's yes. what happened. It was the 98 tour, the Yield tour. So 25 years ago this fall is when this happened. Um, a song called Breath, it's kind of a special song for, like, Pearl Jam fans. It's like, a, you know, not one of the hits. It's one of the songs that we love. And um, they played it in 95, and then it disappeared for a few years. And they were playing one show at Brendan Byrne and then two at the Garden. So there was this idea that for New Jersey, they would bring the signs. And if it didn't work in New Jersey, they'd bring them to the Garden. And if it didn't work night one, they could bring them night two as well. And there was a site called FiveHorizons.com, which was like the Pearl Jam fan site in the 90s. The, the people who ran it quit. That's not a thing anymore, but it was then. And they put a link to a sheet, a white sheet that said breath, and you print them at yourself. And there's people handing them out. And in New Jersey, there was six or 700 signs. They got a wink. They got a nod. Night one, there was, oh, I don't know, in New York, maybe a 1,000 or two. And they got another wink and another nod. And then... On September 11th, 1998, um, at Madison Square Garden, there was about 10,000 or more uh, breath signs uh, in the audience. And uh, everyone kind of figured, like, look, at, they're going to notice it tonight, and if they don't play it, there's just some reason. How does yeah. that song go? I, I, I have 10 or had 10. It's not on 10. It's on the single soundtrack. Oh, oh I, don't, I don't have that. So, right. like... Uh, State of Love and Trust and Breath were the two songs uh, for the movie. You know, the um, singles it was the movie by Cameron Crowe. Right. I, I, I know. I know what the, the singles is. But I just I never had it. Yeah. So <clears throat> it was. Uh, and that was one of the, you know, big soundtracks, too. When I was in high school and everyone had that as Alice yeah. in Chains and as Chris Cornell and Soundgarden and uh, whatever. So he definitely noticed. They definitely noticed it as they come on. And uh, I was looking to see. I think they had the. um the uh, quote here. He says, um, "I know the first thing he says is you cocksuckers." He says, <laughs> "He says you cocksuckers. We give and we give and we give, and you want more. And you know what? You deserve it. So we're gonna play it." And then they played it, and it has this. The beginning after the opening riff, he sings this line. He says, "Oh, tonight began with anything." And there's a pause. And he, he sings that line. Everyone goes crazy. And he goes like, oh, you know, that, is it worth it? Or you like it? You know, so like he acknowledged kind of that they were playing it for them. And then ever since that night, it was kind of the fan song. And they played on special nights. It's always a special night when they play Breath. I remember in, on the 2000 tour, they hadn't played it again yet. And uh, I was at a show in Philadelphia, which the venue was actually in Camden over the bridge. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, the the shed, you know, the shed show yeah, the for the Philly stop is actually in Camden, New Jersey. I got if that if those walls could talk, right there for me. Yeah, for sure. Who knows about that? Yeah. So, I was there for a show, and I guess the band stays in Philly, and you take a helicopter in. And uh, on the stage that night, I goes, uh, Stone is not afraid to take a helicopter here, but he's too big of a pussy to play breath. And everyone booed Stone because. 
there was no breath that night. But it was played, and it's been played, you know, plenty of times since. I think I've heard it, you know, eight or nine times or whatever. Um, and it's always a great night when it's played. And uh, it is a true story. It's a, it's a true sort of, like, connection between the band and the fans because it was the fans who prompted them to um, to do it. The New York Post picked up on it and wrote about it. And that 9-11-98 show is considered one of the best Pearl Jam shows of all time. So, fuck I used you. to like... Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, fuck you, we're going to play it, is the direct quote from Ed. All right. <laughs> yeah. I used to like... Uh, my biggest Pearl Jam memory is I, like, I used to like when he came on David Letterman. And uh, right, David Letterman would always imitate him. And one time he walked yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, famous. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right? yeah, that's pretty cool. To, Letterman was singing, um, singing black every night. And he was screaming to Eddie. Why? Eddie! Eddie! Right? And Eddie tells the story that he was high one night and he's watching Letterman. And Letterman is screaming to him. And he's just flipping out because he thinks the TV is talking to him. Right? And so he finally got a hold of Paul Schaefer and said, What do we have to do to end this? <laughs> and uh, you know, and Schaefer said, "Well, why don't you come and sing it?" And he comes and he sings the, you know, the bridge of the song. The um, uh, I know someday you'll have a beautiful life, and and walks away, gets in a cab, and he's gone. A great moment. Look it up on uh, YouTube. Good YouTube, moment. So. Sure, sure. And he was also he uh, he played one of the last ever. He was, I think the second Foo Fighters were last, and Eddie Vedder played Better Man on the third to last Letterman. And Pearl Jam played Letterman many times as well. So connection between. Dave and uh, and the band. Uh, Dave cool. in- inducted them into the Hall of Fame. I sure did. <laughs> yeah, it was Dave. <laughs> the Pearl Jam was like, who should induct us tonight? I know. Hollywood Dave Rollins. And you did a great Steve's job. Steve's not available tonight. Yeah, you did a great job. All right, let's uh, do Lucas Calhoun. Hopefully I did that question justice for you. Anytime anyone wants to ask me to talk about Pearl Jam, sure. Just, just email. I have no problem. All right, Lucas Calhoun says, two quick questions. First. Question for both of you. What piece of wrestling memorabilia would you like to own over any other? His choice would be the Iron Mike Sharp arm guard. He's my all-time favorite wrestler and would love to own that. So, Dave? Oh, my God. You know, I'm not a big memorabilia guy, believe it or not. I love my LJNs. I have them all, and I still have some in the package, some signed. I already have them. Uh, I don't know if he means... Action figures by memorabilia, though. This is what he means. The way he questions it, yeah. This is what he means. So I, I saw this, so I had a chance to think about it a little bit because I checked to see if we had anything, and I saw this. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want Hulk's underwear or trunks or anything Here's like what that. I want. Yeah. I want the bell that Savage hit Steamboat with. Ooh, all right. See? Yeah, you're, you're thinking outside the box there. That's well, brother. the piece of memorabilia I want. Yeah. I want the bell that he jumped down and hit Steamboat with in the throat in Boston. Um. On the TV, maybe, uh, maybe for me, um, uh, because I'm a big, uh, I wear a lot of uh, crosses. Maybe the cross that that was Andre ripped ripped off a Hulk. Good one. Uh, I, yeah, I don't never heard anybody talking what happened to that. If I I mean, obviously it broke, but it probably could be put back together, or even that shirt, that shirt, yeah, part of the shirt. The clothes part kind of freaks me out a little bit, but the cross, uh, I I I would definitely love to have that and, and, and wear it. I'm you know a big I mean? WrestleMania WrestleMania three guy. Another thing I thought of is one of the ropes from the cars that brought well, the guys to the rings, or the cart in general. 
It's too big, in I your, thought. Put in your garage. Yeah, but I, I thought maybe you just take one of the ropes that they would open and, and put yeah. back up. You know, like the red rope. I'd put that right. like up on the wall somewhere. That'd be cool. But my, my my answer, Lucas, to the question is I want the bell that Savage hits Steamboat with. Yeah, bell, bell and the cross. All right. Second question for Steve. Have you ever thought about doing a cast with a wrestler? You do such a good job on the sportscasters and know how to do amazing interviews with asking great questions and not trying to get yourself over, but also not being a fanboy. I think you would do a tremendous job. I personally feel most wrestling podcasters are looking to be the next big thing. They want to be the next Conrad and quickly forget what podcasting is about. Anyway, this is and always will be the best wrestling podcast. Often ripped off, but never duplicated. Keep up the great work and Hulkamania will never die. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you very much. I've had I've had wrestling journalists on the sportscasters. Meltzer was on one time. Uh, Mike Johnson was on when Rowdy Piper died um, to talk about his career and his life. Who's um, Brian Alvarez has been on a few times. You just had somebody uh, recent the last one. Yeah. Uh, Brian Gerwitz, Gerwitz, um, the rocks, Gerwitz, but, even, but even somebody else just, just, you just told me this, this last sportscasters or maybe two ago that uh, when, when they were changing over to Peacock, he was working in WWE. Oh yeah. I had a guy named, uh, yeah, I forgot about that guy. Uh, a guy yeah. named Kevin snow. He's the one who's responsible for season one, season two on Peacock. Uh, so if you want, if that pisses you off, he's the guy to beat up. They <laughs> they, they hired him to write the um, the descriptions on the when they moved over from the network to Peacock. But yeah, have I? I've never had a wrestler, but I would. I'd love to. Um, I'm sure if one writes a book, um, I could maybe. You know, a lot of my guests for sportscasters come on because they're the bigger names, especially because they're writing books. And like Artie Lang is a good example, right? Why would he ever come on my show? Because he wrote a book. And he was everywhere promoting it. And I was very, very, very That's a big name. very hard to get that interview. I mean, I'm Con- uh, Conrad. Conrad. Yeah, Johnson Conrad was on. Yeah. That was a really a really good interview too. He was really honest. I mm-hmm. I didn't let Conrad off the hook. I came at him about what I perceived as them ripping people off on the original Patreon that they had for Bruce's show. Um and he stood up to the questioning and he still promoted it. Um so props to Conrad about that. Even though I still well, you know. disagree with him about it. I think they were stealing from people. Um, yeah, I, absolutely, I guess, is the, the answer. I would definitely have somebody. So in the near future here. If, oh, another guy I had on that we talked wrestling, the guy who wrote the um, Andre biography. That was really good a couple years ago when that came out. The French guy. And, okay. You know, he was a big part of the Andre documentary on that Bill Simmons did. Um Historian. Excellent. The, the, the HBO? Yeah, yeah, yeah yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He was the Very French good. kind of wrestling historian on there, and then yeah. he wrote a book about him and came on. He speaks really good English, so he did it. So, yeah, absolutely, Lucas. All right, Dave, what else you got? Thank you, uh, that's Lucas, about it. by we, the way. We could, yeah, thank you, Lucas. Man. It's very, very, very kind words. That's very, very, very nice of you. It means a lot. Uh, that's all I got, brother, because I'm, I'm not – I can't go uh, – we will have too much dead air if I go back through Tim's to get back to his question. So – we're going to have to hold off on that one for the next show. All right. Um, here's what quick show update. So it's getting close to WrestleMania season, and we've done WrestleMania 2, which we'll do again someday because that was the very first show 
Um, so someday that will need to be redone. Kind of. I had like I had like a, a, a notebook full of notes and everything. I mean, it was literally it Dave's there. first podcast ever. <laughs> you know, yeah. It was all like reading off stuff. To be honest, having, that, having fun. To be honest, that was meant to really be kind of a pilot to show yeah. to people and to let people hear and to take notes. We liked it so much, we just put it up. Um, but someday maybe we'll redo that one. We've done eight. Uh, we did the Hogan 18. 18. And this year we're going to do one and six. But before we get to those next week, what do we, Dave, what are we going to do to prepare for one? Well, to prepare for WrestleMania one, we're going to take it back to the Madison Square Garden in late December, not of 1963. That was a very special time for me. But anyway, late December 1984, uh, Hulk Hogan's rematch with the Iron Sheik almost a year later. At Madison Square Garden, um, we're going to take a look at that match there. But more important on that card is um, Dick Clark making an appearance at Madison Square Garden. Dick with, Clark uh, is in the building. Uh, Captain Louis Albano with an uh, award for uh, multiple sclerosis. And let's just say the shit hits the fan. So um, we're going to have a lot of fun there uh, leading up to WrestleMania 1, December 1984, Madison Square Garden. So the next three shows are... The one Dave just mentioned, then we'll do WrestleMania 1, and then we'll do WrestleMania 6. So that's the next three episodes of the 24-inch podcast. Uh, Make sure to check me out on YouTube if you get a chance, uh, helping Justin and Aaron out. Uh, Check out the Sportscasters if you can. And uh, I guess that's it, Dave. One last thing. Don't forget to tell your friends. uh, Well, first you have to, of course, take your vitamins, say your prayers, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Happy birthday, Tim brother.